It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another edition of Meet the Manager. Here we chat to FPL managers who have an interesting story to tell or are offering new and different insights into the game. Today I'm joined by Daniel, aka FPL Ticker on Twitter. He has been carrying out some fascinating research into how FPL managers think and reach their decisions, which hopefully we can take to help us all improve. Um, and in particular, um, how the FPL community could be the future of how people across all walks of life encounter and consume information. It's a bold um, statement, but we'll delve into that in a sec. Uh, Daniel, welcome. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I've um, I've been watching these videos for years now, so to actually get to come on one is a bit of a dream come to true. So thanks for letting me on. Great stuff. So um, you're uh, an academic, let's say. I've got my I've got my big boys academic glasses on today um, to help. And um, so tell us a bit about yourself and uh, briefly about this research uh, before we delve into that in a bit more detail uh, and who's been involved in that as well. Okay. Um, so I'm someone who works in libraries. I've been working in academic libraries now for the last 15 years or so. Um, and something that a lot of people probably don't realize about people who work in libraries is that you're only actually a librarian once you have got a master's in library science. So I sort of decided to take the plunge a couple of years ago and um, do a master's in library science at um, City University of London. And as part of that, I had to do a dissertation. And I've been playing uh, FPL for about eight years now. And it just seemed like a really interesting opportunity to do my dissertation about something that's like really a real interest of mine and I kind of noticed that the FPL community is a really interesting and and sort of effective place for gathering information I don't think we really reflect on that too much but when you think about the amount of information that's generated and the way people use it in the community it's really innovative and interesting and I, I wanted to uh, explore that further basically so it's, it was a small-scale research project for my master's dissertation but it still had some interesting findings I think so I did a, an online questionnaire that was um, sent around people really helpful and shared that on Twitter for me 
Um, and I also did some um, interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so I did some interviews just just on Skype, and uh, there were a small a small amount of people, but. I interviewed people from around the world. I interviewed some content creators, but I also interviewed people with complete casuals as well. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do is get a sense of where they go to find information, how they process, mm -hmm. that, process that information, and what effect the community has on the way they play the game, basically. Um, so, yeah, that's what my uh, research was into. Fascinating. So this is how we met because I was one of those content creators that you interviewed for that. And yeah. as you were asking me questions about how I think and make my decisions and about how I think the community thinks, it suddenly occurred to me that I think more people should be hearing about this. And I almost almost wish our, 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 um, our chat had been recorded and put it out. So th this is why I wanted to bring uh, to bring you on the show and to chat more about it. So I'll put um, I'll just put um what your um, research is up on the screen. So it's for, for City University of London, uh, and it's a study of information behaviour in the fancy Premier League community. Um, so that that essentially is, contains how we think as FPL managers, but also what perhaps, not, not just what we can learn from other people, but what other people can learn from us, because we're the, we're the champions of getting information and, and making and using them to make decisions. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's start with the early findings of your research. And, and it's this point here that you, you gave me, which is in some ways the FPL community model is the future of how people encounter information. Wow. OK, so, um, yeah, expand on that a bit more. Uh, yeah, it is a bit of a bold claim, but I think it's kind of um, born out because, like, in, I should probably explain that information behaviour studies have been around for years in library science, and they started off as ways for libraries to study the users, um, so they could get a better sense of what, how, how do humans go out and seek information, and once you know that, you can maybe design better um, resources for them. And that are more intuitive for people and that's developed over the years so that now information behavior studies um, happen for all sorts of reasons and i think the way people interact with information now is so fundamentally different to um before the age of the internet and especially uh, social media as well um and i think you're starting to see um social social media communities fan communities maybe like um, like the FPL community, start to uh, perform really effectively mm. in the way they gather information. And I think the classic case for me that kind of got me interested in this was uh, FPL Insider, the mm. Twitter account. I'm, I'm sure most people are mm -hmm. familiar with that. But um, what FPL Insider did is mm. it found the FPL teams of lots of Premier League footballers, coaches, things like that. And then it sort of studies them and a bot tweets out changes that players have made. And the big case that came into the media was um, FPL Insider kind of found out um, before everyone that Jack Grealish was injured because mm. lots of their Villa players had transferred. That's right, I remember that. Yeah, season. loads of his teammates transferred out their best player in their team and that did raise eyebrows. Yeah, exactly. And what was so interesting about that is that the FPL community outperformed um, professionals like bookmakers really so the FPL community knew first so people I think some people made some money um, betting against Villa or things like that and I think that's a real example of how the FPL community 
collaborated to get that information. I think there was a Reddit page where people um, put forward the names of the players who had FPL teams. And it was basically a really effective model. Mm -hmm. And you're also starting to see this and you do see this in other areas as well. So I was reading yesterday about some of the uh, intelligence coming about the situation in Ukraine mm -hmm. and how the open source intelligence community is now in outperforming um, professional intelligence services. So your, your likes of your MI5 and your MI6. Yeah. So this is people who are sat at home in their bedrooms in Manchester or Scotland or anywhere and they're collaborating together to maybe um, geolocate where a, a bomb has landed and things yeah. like that. And a few years ago, that was sort of probably laughed at by intelligence services, but now it's becoming used more and more. And I think you start to see the potential power of this model because the FPL community works as a kind of uh, a social system, a sort of quite complex network mm. where each individual person um, uses, uh, contributes their own skills or their own efforts, and there's a network effect. So you start to see that some people maybe, some people maybe a journalist, some people maybe a data scientist, some people um, can do things like ragabully and create uh, tools that we can all use. And with everyone uh, collaborating together, and hundreds and thousands of people collaborating together, it can be a really effective way of gathering information that can be better than a professional organization so, that has been. I mean, I was going to say an example only this week of exactly what you were talking about there um, has been um, various uh, people within the FPL community. So, for example, um, James on, on Planet FPL. Um, there's obviously Ben Krellen as well. Um, there's another one player who doesn't really play FPL um, called Ian Parrin, who's Planet Sky, Plan It, P L A N I T Sky, on Twitter. He he looks at scheduling around um, mainly the Sky game, but it's being used for FPL managers as well. There's various people like that. There's, there's Legamane as well. There's there's. I mean, forgive me all, all the ones I haven't mentioned, but there's a lot, as you can see, there's lots there. They're all pooling them, their information together, sharing information. Um, other people, I think we spoke on the Scoutcast, FPL Schofield, had then put pictorially in lists where double game weeks might be, blank game weeks. And that their understanding of fixture scheduling, the broadcasters, where fixtures can go, where they can't go, is starting to get better than not just the sports media, but but the actual broadcasters and the Premier League themselves. Um, they seem to know when the fixtures are going to end before the clubs do. Um, is that a good example of that? I, I think that's exactly right. And I think that exactly shows um, how the FPL community is so successful. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that I think this year we're starting to see the FPL community in general are performing really well in terms of rank. And I mm. think that's because it's just getting better all the time and there's more people getting involved and everyone is kind of fine-tuning things like um, predicting fixes and things like that. So I think all the time it's sort of uh, exponentially improving. And the more people become involved, the greater the, the capacity of the network, really. 
And so I think that's a great example. But you also see, you know, things like tracking Rafinha's flight and things yeah. and to see whether he's going to play. I mean... Caram and his bib, bib theory, and he's had shoe theory. And um, look, exactly. looking at training pictures, who who's wearing a bib of a different colour? Will they play? Um, yeah. And crucially, this is something that no professional organization could achieve on its own you'd have to employ like hundreds of thousands of staff to do this so the fact that the fpl community includes so many people and they're all contributing towards it it's something unique really and i think it's so effective and it's getting better all the time that i think it's we're likely to start seeing this in others other areas of life as well i think crucially as well it's all facilitated by social media right yeah so um, the way Twitter works is if if you have some information to put out there, you can mm. put it out on Twitter. And, other, and if other people think that it's uh, worthwhile mm-hmm. or interesting, it gets reshared, it gets retweeted, it gets favorited. And mm-hmm. um, the person who does that uh, gets kudos from the community. So they, um, they get more followers, they get the likes and the retweets. So there's a kind of... Um, a sort of social system going on there. There's some form of the labor of finding, doing the primary research, and then they're rewarded by the community for that, which is a sort of virtuous circle. So, so it's, so it's incentivized. We'll... Being thorough and doing research is being incentivized. Um, and I must admit, if I see a comment saying, and I see it sometimes, um, particularly Let's Talk FPL Andy um, gets this a lot. People just simply copy his team. They don't want to do the research. They just want to copy his team. Um, and if I see a comment like that saying, I just want to copy your team, um, I, I tend to dismiss them. And But whereas, the, the, as you were talking about there, those that have clearly done their research, wow. you know, And they get their praise from me, all of us, we all praise them. So yeah, it's clearly incentivized to, to, to do research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really good system. And I think you're starting to see other areas. So I um, teach in an academic library and we're starting to th- see things like um, academic social media start to become more important. Mm. So things like academic.edu, mm. um, things like um, programs like Mendeley that have a social mm. media element to them. So we're starting to see that this model is it's maybe being pioneered in places like fan communities, mm. things like the FPL community, but its success is starting to be used in a more professional context in other areas as well. Um, we're also seeing increasingly... Um, fantasy managers are meeting up in real life <laughs> so um I, I used to meet up with fantasy managers through fantasy football scout we would meet up once a year um and it was, wasn't that many of us but now there's um all sorts of gatherings around the country around the world as well so i recently went to one in bristol um there was about 20 or 30 of us there um and there's more um you know besides in london and and so on um how, how does that link in because that does that um i mean is that sort of going back to an old-fashioned way of information gathering or is that sort of molding into what you've been talking about the social media side of it i think it 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 feeds into the fact that that it's a community and it's it's a if people have um interpersonal connections as well it just helps to build um, the links between people so i was at fantasy football fest mm. and i met a couple of people there who i was then able to interview for my project and i think building those links between people 
draws more people into the community it makes that it makes this the sort of social system more um concrete more linked together so i think it's still a, an internet-based community mm. but i i think meeting up in real life just strengthens those links as well and enables um enables it to be stronger really i'd say okay um, you, you mentioned in your, your notes to me that um, you found that different types of FPL managers approach information differently and, and you've got their casual stroke hardcore. So um, can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, so there's there's lots of different um, differences between the way different types of FPL managers um, operate. What I found when I was doing my research is I, I sort of grouped people into this three different types of mm. um of FPL manager, roughly speaking, there are the complete casuals who maybe spend uh, 30 minutes a week, if that. And then there are the sort of hardcore players and um, people who are content creators, people who are active in the community online. But there's also a big group of people who are kind of in the middle and who dip in, in and out of the community, maybe watch quite a lot of football, mm-hmm. take FPL quite seriously. but but don't interact so much so they're mainly like passive in the way they create uh, consume information they don't ever do any research themselves they just maybe see something on twitter and use that so the big differences between the amount of time these people put in so and the the, the i still found that even the most casual players so i i talked to one guy who um, he said he spends sort of 10 to 20 minutes per week on his FPL decisions and he might do it whilst he was watching his son playing football on um, a Saturday morning, maybe. And he said, I said, where do you get your information from? And he still said Twitter. He said mm-hmm. he doesn't follow anyone on Twitter to do with fantasy football or not, but he might go on to Twitter and search for a player's name and FPL mm-hmm. in the search bar and see what other people are saying about that. So I think... It's people are, are still using the same resources. The FPL community is still a resource for a lot of casual players as well. But the difference is that the more um, hardcore players are more likely to be active on Twitter. They're more likely to be doing a primary research themselves. They're more likely to be sharing, and they're more likely to be interacting with other people. So I think that's a sort of quite basic difference that we're all familiar with. And a big finding that I had that I wasn't really expecting was that people's backgrounds, the the jobs they do, Mm -hmm. their educational backgrounds they have really affects the way they play FPL. So, Mm -hmm. for example, I spoke to quite a few people. I spoke to a guy who worked in banking. Mm -hmm. I think he was a commodities trader. And he was talking about how he approaches FPL as though he was making an investment in a commodity. Mm -hmm. And he talked about it in those terms. I spoke to someone else who was a data analyst and they talked about how they analyze the data and they use things from their work. Mm -hmm. But then I spoke to yourself Mm -hmm. and it was interesting that you did the same, but you, your background is as a journalist. Mm -hmm. So you talked Mm -hmm. about things about how your background enabled you to do things like, um, uh, boil down information lots of information into something that could be readily turned into a decision you mm-hmm. talked about things like how you uh, your background enables you to sort of look at sources and tell which sources are uh, likely to be accurate or yeah. not yeah. so i think it's really interesting that um what your job background is does seem to affect the way you play as an fpl player 
Okay, I mean that that is that is fascinating as well because there'll be lots of people watching this who have those those jobs that you just described and have other jobs as well, and they're probably starting to think, well, how does my job or my profession um, affect how how I think that way? Because they might also be different in their attitudes to risk, for example, um, as well. It's interesting what you were saying about about sort of city and business type uh, professions uh, one of the first meet the managers we had years ago was Mark Rubenstein who was who was doing exactly what you just described was treating decisions in a similar way as he would with investments and talking about spreading risk and um, and, 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 and and those sorts of issues there um, I would imagine anyone who is also in terms of either professionally or hobby uh, in gambling as well would have a very different uh, poker for example would have uh, a very different attitude as well um you mentioned about twitter uh, it, it, the role of twitter and how people find information but is that is that, so you mentioned the sort of two, the, the the sort of more casual fpl managers will will look at twitter you know to, to get their information but then you talk about the more hardcore managers they use twitter in a slightly different way and they're perhaps a bit more involved in it as well. So, I mean, has Twitter emerged as sort of the key social media at the moment for FPL managers? I think it has. I mean, I had trouble in my research to try and find people to take part who weren't on Twitter. So maybe there's a bit of bias involved mm. that, you know, I'm involved in Twitter. I think the Reddit community is quite big as well. And there are some Facebook groups that are quite big. But I really do think that the FPL community seems to be based on Twitter mm. and yeah, it was my experience that even people who I didn't expect to talk about Twitter as a source for their um, FPL decision making, even they talked about Twitter, even even people who don't have an FPL uh, Twitter handle and, and don't um, follow any of the other big accounts, that they use it as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it just goes back to the, I think there's, there's always been... Uh, groups of people who have sort of collaborated together to find information but i think twitter's just made it really successful mm -hmm. and that the the kind of architecture of twitter has has, an, has enabled it to grow massively mm -hmm. so things like likes and retweets and um, we also so one of the one of the interesting things that i found is that most people who i spoke to talked about the biggest problem they have is that there's too much information yeah and it's it's how to deal with how you know a tsunami of information i think you described it mm. as every week there's so much information out there how do you sort of get all that and convert it into a decision but twitter allows people to do that as well so i had a couple of people who talked about using the twitter lists function to um to sort of curate their own lists of people that they need to want to follow or using the likes or the favorites to collect tweets that they want to go back to when they make the decisions so twitter is a really useful technology because it, it, it enables the social aspect of it it allows people to get kudos for doing the work it allows people's good work to be spread around but it also has tools built into it that helps us to um to curate that information and to, to turn it into a decision as well. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think Twitter is pretty crucial for FPL now. Um, I mean, I noticed, I mean, as a, as a, I suppose, I guess I would be a hardcore manager in terms of the amount of time I spend with information to, to make my decisions. But how does the community, not, not just on FPL Twitter, but, you know, elsewhere, but how does the FPL community influence 
the decisions that we make. And I already know each week how it does with me, but um, and I'm sure all the listeners and viewers will. But yeah, how, how is how is that working? Well, it was really interesting, actually. Um, and, and it did when I was interviewing people, I kind of didn't find what I was expecting to oh. find, because for me, I think it's had a massive impact on the way I play FPL um, engaging with the community mm. on Twitter. And I think we'll probably go on and look at my rank history in a while. Mm. And, and and for me, you can it's not a great rank history, uh, but you can see clearly when I started looking at content and when I didn't, because my rank started to improve. Mm. Um, so I'm pretty, for myself, I can say that, you know, I'm pretty influenced by um, the stuff that I see on Twitter and the mm. things that I see in um videos and podcasts and things like that it doesn't make my decision for me but it really does influence the way i play the game mm -hmm. but what i found when i was interviewing people is people seem to be quite reticent about kind of admitting that and that mo most of the people who i interviewed kind of protested that they weren't influenced at all by oh, wow. um, the stuff they see and that they just sort of maybe watch videos for mm -hmm. entertainment um but that it isn't in influential and I kind of doubt that. I think that if you're spending 10 hours a week watching uh, a fantasy football YouTube content, it's probably going to have an influence on the way um, you play the game. And mm -hmm. I think we can see that by um, things like template teams. Yes. If, if, if everyone wasn't being influenced by each other, I'm sure the amount of people who are buying Matt Doherty this week, wouldn't it wouldn't yes. be happening, right? So everyone's seen that on Twitter and mm. had the same idea simultaneously. Mm. So, yeah, I, that that was my finding, really. It was that I think it's interesting in itself that people don't want to admit that they're being influenced. Mm. People seem to have, want to um, identify as someone who makes all of their own decisions, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know with I mean myself last week, um, I wildcarded. And as I had pretty much most of the players in mind, but Reese James wasn't one of them. Um, but then whilst I was on Twitter, it's, it was uh, certain certain posters and also on Fantasy Football Scout looking at their um, the scout picks each week. So it, there was a combination of some trusted sources on Twitter who were content creators or managers that I thought think do well most seasons plus the 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 sources of information from the the paid journalists at fantasy football scout who were doing their research and and reese james's name was mentioned and that influenced my decision and i did indeed get him in didn't captain him but i did get him in um this week um and and that so that's me that that i, I was influenced but i'm and i've just admitted that <laughs> um, yeah but you're yeah. saying but what's interesting for you is that is that whenever you spoke to those people each week there would have been a player each week there would have been a, a, a wave of the tsunami of information about that player but then they're not admitting to it do you do you think that might change? Do you think? I mean, they, they'll have to admit to it at some point, surely. I mean, why? Why else would people I, I get docked in? <laughs> really? Well, I think Doherty's a great show. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of annoyed that everyone sort of um, got on him. I was going to get him in anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, my research was only maybe a small scale research. Mm. Maybe it was just a coincidence that everyone said that. But I think it's 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 interesting, and I think. 
also as well it's probably it probably be the sort of thing you need to talk to someone like fpl raptor about but surely if you are being influenced by it you should be conscious of that because if you're not conscious of it then you can't exact like start to examine your biases so much yeah. so i think all of us who interact on twitter are influenced by what we see and what we see on uh, youtube and what we hear in podcasts so i think it's good to be conscious of that and it's probably good as well to start to put some sort of structure in place as well as to i think i've heard the idea before of um at the end of one game week writing down your plans or recording yeah. your plans somewhere so that by the end of the game week if they've changed you need to start to examine why yes. and, if, and if you've just been influenced by the the herd mentality i guess um, um so to, just to time stamp this video because these, these videos are aimed for people to tuck into whenever you know in a year's time two years time whenever um but this is a, towards the ahead of the final matches in, in a double game week 28 ahead of uh, another double game week in 29 um, so that's why I was mentioning about Reese James. He, in this particular week, got 18 points in his first game, and now he's injured for the second one. <laughs> so um, that's a particular decision there. Um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You mentioned that FPL managers have a high levels of information literacy. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, so part of my job is um, teaching students information literacy skills. So this is quite simple stuff about um, where to find information, but how to commit, how to conduct research mm. and how to assess which type of information is uh, good information or not, whether things are reliable or not. And I think we we all do this, but sometimes so like people struggle with this and that's why you see things like people believing fake news, all that sort of stuff. So it's really important to teach that. But what I find is that because of the competitive elements of fantasy football and FPL, the people who play this game naturally do these things anyway. So and, and the community helps with that. So people will disbelieve a rumor, maybe, if it's started sort of 30 minutes before the deadline, unless it's been corroborated by someone who's a valued source. Mm. People naturally do things that we teach in academia all the time. So mm. in research, um, you know, triangulation is a thing. So using um, qualitative methods alongside quantitative methods. Mm -hmm. FPL managers do that all the time when they um, use the eye test and use stats to back it up or vice versa. So these sorts of skills that are sort of taught in academia and taught as um, the best ways to research, we see examples of FPL managers doing this every day without even thinking about it or reflecting on it. So 
and we can see that there are lots of managers like yourself who have a great history. So, you know, you, you obviously have high information and literacy skills because FPL is a game of research at the end of the day. That's re- that's fascinating. FPL is a game of research. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, you mentioned about your own career history. We'll come to that shortly, and and that 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 would mirror so many other people's thoughts, in my own included. Where um, as soon as you encounter the content, the trusted sources, suddenly your rank improves because your ability to um, your high level of information literacy improves. For me, it was in the back in the days. It was just fantasy football scout. That was pretty much the only one. Um, it was the articles there and that's obviously still still the trusted source for for, for me uh, over over the years but obviously with this, there's just so much more now um, but um, you were saying about the important skills to do with refining huge amounts of data um, into decisions so you mentioned a couple of ways of do, doing that um, sort of understanding your own decisions so doing a list then sort of going back to it um, but also Twitter lists and those types of things. I know we've had FPL General on the show and he has he uses the watch list function on FPL. Yeah, that's a great example, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what, what other examples um, did, you, did you find of, of that, really, where, you know, where we're, FPL managers are good at refining huge amounts of data we're all receiving? Well, one of the interesting findings was that... Um, I interviewed a couple of content creators and a, and a few people who kind of dabbled in content. And what they all said was that creating content in itself helps them to be a better um, FPL manager. So I, I think you said that and some of the other people I said that if you're creating content and you have to go on a podcast and talk about it or you need to write an article, you need to be sure about what you're going to say, right? So you know, you'll make notes, you'll look through the stats, you'll have a process. And then that's kind of does the work for you so that when you come to make your decision, it's already there, it's already written down, it's already um, systematized. Um, I spoke to someone who um, said he used to do a podcast, but now he's not had time so much Mm -hmm. anymore. And he said, um, his FPL rank has, has gone down since he stopped doing the podcast, because he said, he had to come onto the podcast and discuss with his friend and sort of justify his decisions. And since he stopped having to do that, there's a sort of a level of accountability that's gone away. Mm. So he's more likely to make um, silly decisions maybe. So obviously not everyone can make content, but I think like I, this is something that I do. I just post my team every yeah. week on Twitter. Yeah. And I think even that has a certain level of accountability. I, th- I, th- I, I think it would stop me from doing something I, stupid. I think it does. I hear, I hear that all the time. Just simply by making a comment on Fantasy Football Scout or, 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 or going on Twitter or Reddit or whatever, and you, you, you feel you've committed yourself. So if you... I mean, I... I Oh, it's an example last week. I, earlier in the week, was going, why are people getting rid of Cancelo? Well, this, um, um, now... I could have held myself to that level of accountability, um, but I ended up wildcarding him out <laughs> because I disseminated information. I decided I would get more points from other players over the next few weeks, um, but I hadn't come to that conclusion before because going so. But but I see that all the time, and there there, there will be other FPL managers who will have made it, that bold statement, and they just feel they have to stick with it because they've sort of said it. Is that, is that yeah. what we talk about, that, that accountability? Definitely. I think accountability is important. But I think what 
for me makes the big differences. There's all sorts of different things that makes an FPL manager good or not. But when I'm teaching students how to do research and where to search to find information, I mean, obviously you need to know where to look, but once you know that, the most important thing is to have a system and record what you're doing. So record where you're searching, be systematic about it. That's the main thing that I would always tell to a student of like how to find information. And I think it's the same with FPL. And I think we see with the best managers have some sort of system, have some sort of process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why we see, obviously content creators are content creators because they're good managers, but I also think they're good managers because they're content creators. Mm. I I think I I saw someone on on Twitter the other day was saying that they uh, you know a similar point I was making about simply copying teams and um, they were they were they obsessed with people's rank all the time you know what's your rank and and if 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 they said oh my rank's really good they'd listen to them and if they said oh, the rank's not so good they just wouldn't um, and they were putting that within sort of content creating as well so but sometimes the best content creators haven't got the best rank and sometimes. The worst content creators have a really good rank. It, it, it's the ability to um, convey thoughts across in a particular medium, written word, audio, visual, whichever. Um, that's the important thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But as you said, the two just become intertwined. It's just a byproduct of each other because you're just doing the research. Um, but yeah. That is that is fascinating. And I think that will be for most people. As you said, not everyone is a content It seems like everyone's a content creator. Um, but not everyone is doing this type of thing. But but they are in a way every time they make a comment, every time they vote in a poll, they are putting their opinion out there uh, and they're basing that on research. And um, I think I've, I've covered most of the bullet points from your uh, that, that you gave over to me about the research, about the, you know, the efficiency and in information gathering and mm. you know, having a process as well. Um, but it was then before we move on to your sort of career history and, and, and the next game week decision as a sort of snapshot what um was there anything else you wanted to mention specifically about your research uh, yeah one thing i want to do is just thank everyone who uh, took part in it i'm not someone who has a big twitter following i only set up my twitter account for the research basically i don't have many followers or anything like that so i really want to thank everyone who shared my uh, survey and mm-hmm. took part in my interviews and um, i've I managed to chat to people around the world so I've, people in Nigeria and in Indonesia and things like this. So it's been really great to connect with the people in the community. So just thanks very much for that. Wow, that's good. Um, let's have a look at your career history, because as you said, we can sort of see when you um, when you became involved. So um, back from 2013, you became involved, obviously, um, sub 300K, sub 200K a year after, sub 200K again, getting closer, 100K. Uh, just over 100k uh, then dipping out again 400k and then 18,000 in 2018 and then a uh, bit dipped out again about just under half a million and then uh, top 50k and now this season as we'll come to um, you're also top 50k currently so we can see a pattern here so people might look at this and go why have we got this guy on look at this but yeah. you can see the pattern here you're doing exactly what we've all done we've all consumed information and then you've done it in a more systematic and better way so is that 
Is that a fair assumption? 2018, was that when you started to... Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, guess which year I discovered <laughs> fantasy football scout, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I used... I, I, I always played FPL, and I sort of took it regularly, seriously, uh, fairly seriously. I was in a mini-league with my friends that I'm mm. still in, and I was trying to win the mini-league. I didn't really pay any attention to what rank I was at at all. And I think it probably just started, like, Googling fantasy football tips, and I uh, found fantasy football scout, and I sort of didn't look back from there sort of gradually got more involved and then sort of you know ended up creating a twitter account and now i, I spend quite a lot of my time um you know watching youtube videos things like that so i'm still not a great uh, fpl manager like some of the people who've been on this uh, series before but i think you can see that there's a big difference in my history mm. and that big difference is not really down to my ability or my strategies or anything like that it's simply because i found better information yeah i mean that i mean that's the point that's the point of meet the manager um it's morphed over the years and this is what we're interested in it's it, it's sort of how we think as fpl managers and how we can improve um and uh, so you know the, the the rank issue is almost irrelevant it's just a happy coincidence in your case it, it proves exactly what you were talking about. Um, so 2018, 19. So, so that that was also the sort of start, really, of the proliferation of, of Twitter and Reddit as becoming quite, involving quite trusted sources of information, mm. but also Fantasy Football Scout um, there as well. Um, so, what else? What what else? Sort of over the last year or so um, has has influenced the way that you make decisions and. Uh, rather influence where you make good decisions um i'm not sure really i think um i've watched more content now than mm. ever before i think a lot of the people i talked to in my uh, research actually said that covid was a big factor that sort of oh. radicalized them as an fpl manager really and that was certainly the case for me i used to sort of dip in and out of it but when we were sort of in lockdown mm. there wasn't much else to do I sort of spend a lot more time now consuming videos. I watch the Scoutcast every week. I watch uh, Black Box, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I think what is it's it's funny in a way because I think sometimes I make decisions. I am more influenced by the community now than I was before, and and obviously that has some benefits, but there's some downsides to it as well. I think sometimes in the past maybe with the decisions that i would have made that came off that i just wouldn't do anymore um i think i'm more influenced by stats now um than i was before before i discovered um fancy football scout for example i was like completely just the eye test i didn't really know what the stats were and um, so i'm more influenced by stats now more influenced by the content i create really uh, i consume sorry mm. so what what is the difference um i think the difference is i'm just consuming more information and from more trusted sources mm -hmm. i think the information that the community is generating now is just really good um so yeah i think that's it really just uh i've got more access to stats more access to good opinions from other people okay well let's have a look at um uh, your game week 29 team so we're about to head up to that deadline so this this video will go out just before that but but um i do hope that people um watch this afterwards as well um and this is purely a snapshot here so we're looking at him you're you're currently in the top 50k and you potentially currently within this game week 28 you've still got eight to go um including your captain who i think is coutinho i think i saw 
Um, yeah. And um, so the final match is game week 28. So this is game week 29 we're looking at. So we're already looking ahead um, yeah. to that. So you captained Coutinho, as we just said. You bench-boosted uh, last week, uh, game week 28. You wild-carded in game week 26, and you free-hit in game week 27. Now, that that's the overall strategy, before we, we list the players in your team, that overall strategy was quite a t- sort of Twitter hive mind. Inf- I mean, that what you what I've just described, your strategy there... Is, is a strategy that is working for people. And that is one that is from, yeah, where did you get that from? Um, maybe this is me sort of exhibiting the uh, the sort of quality that I, I found in other people. I, I sort of feel like I, I didn't um, just copy what everyone else on Twitter yeah. was doing. I looked at my squad in Game Week 26 when the new fix just came out and sort of built a wildcard squad. Mm. and was like, this looks really good. I can sort mm. of cover quite a lot of weeks from here on uh, with these chips. And sort of did that and then like logged onto Twitter and everyone else had done the same thing. But mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not actually sure it was the correct decision um, now. I, my um, my Game Week 26 team before the wild card would have mm. done a few points better. Yeah. Oh, and I think my... Yeah, and and this week has been good, so I'm happy with this week. And then I guess next week will be the real test of whether it's been a good strategy or not. Okay. But I'm sort of quite happy so far. I was very happy with my Coutinho captaincy paying off. Um, well, I'll just read out your team for the benefit of those listening to the podcast version, and then uh, we'll sort of go through that, go through them, and see where we are. Um, so you've got Gaming 29, got Ramsdale in goal, uh, Robertson, Alexander Arnold. Uh, ben White all have doubles and you've also got Luca Dean in there uh, Coutinho uh, Salah this is the triple captaincy chip this is probably why you said you didn't do so well in game at 26 because um, those that didn't wildcard could play their triple captaincy there for his Salah's points um, and there would have been a rank drop for anyone who didn't um, triple captain him there uh, Rafinha um, Saka double game week Brozier Kane <laughs> your vice captain won't need him but um as vice captain but yeah double game week Manchester United and Brighton he plays and then on your bench you've got Foster Jimenez uh, Sace and uh, Ramsey so a good bench as well um, and um, you know a, a, a great setup there um, yeah you mentioned you sort of you might have made a mistake in terms of game week 26 didn't do but that's just one game week what what how 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 do you think this team will will fare um, you know, in the weeks to come. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it doesn't do very well this week with triple captain on Salah, but... Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident this week and, and next week as well. I'm going to... I'll have 11 players out next week, like barring injuries. Um, looking ahead, like if you look at the fixture ticker, mm. like 30 to 38, yeah. I think it's still looking okay. Mm. I think that sort of Arsenal have good fixtures. Yes. I've got three Arsenal Um I'm planning on getting more Spurs players in. They have um, you know, good fixtures going forward. Mm-hmm. So although I think people who've still got the wild card in the pocket have, have got an advantage because they're going to be able to attack those fixtures better than I am, um, I'm still pretty confident that the team's in good shape. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, happy as it goes. When when I um, do the notes for the scout cast each week, um, I have to constantly bring myself back to the game week in hand. Because I'm already thinking about the next game week. 
at the expense of the current game week. But I'm already yeah. so this week I managed to get away with it by doing some game week thirty stats. Um, and I'm already thinking that far in ahead as well. Um, how do you? I mean, how far do you think? I mean, so for example, thinking ahead, some of those players will become Leicester players and they could become Everton or Burnley players because they have more fixed. So you so the way the reason I mentioned those three times the the tidal wave of information, the wave, the tsunami that is going to come through each week by Friday if Leicester have a double game week, you'll think, "Oh, I think I could get Harvey Barnes, Jamie Vardy, Madison." But if there's a double game week for Everton or Burnley who are doing less well um, and have less exciting players you already you already shook your heads but how do you think your decision will be when Burnley have two double game weeks in a row will you actually have a Burnley player in your team I've kind of been burned by these sort of bad clubs with double game weeks already you know my Burnley assets that that I had on my free hit were bad I had a grey earlier on when Everton had um, a double game week and they just didn't really work out and I think I've learned my lesson that I think every week coming forward is pretty much going to be a double game week or most game weeks. And it's probably best not to chase each week and sort of try and get in an Everton player and a Burnley player because they don't always work out. Just because they've got two games doesn't mean that they're actually going to be good shelves. So I'm going to, well, un- unless unless um, some of them start coming into form, I'm going to be avoiding those type of clubs if I can. I was listening to um, uh, the Planet FPL uh, James and Suj on uh, as his black box show and there was a good piece of advice there about do I want that player can I stand looking at that player in my team over a number of weeks and Everton and Burnley players perhaps don't fall into that category of uh, players you want to look at a lot um, but I just find it interesting with your team here so you, you, you've got fully stacked on Arsenal Liverpool um, um, they're, uh, they're, they're sort of your base there um, what, what about Chelsea going forward so um rudiger james could be back um Mason yeah, Mount, I mean, Havertz, what are they going to find a way into your team do you think um i think they will but it'll be after 30 now obviously mm. um i think it, it i've got a couple of different ways of going at the moment so do i want to get son in as mm. well as kane i think that's my current thing or can, can kulisevsky cover him mm. that, that's kind of what i'm thinking at the moment um but yeah Eventually, I'm going to have a Chelsea defender. Uh, I think I've been quite lucky that uh, James appears to be injured now because he really punished me <clears throat> this week. But the way my team was set up, I, I don't, I didn't really think that it would work. I would have to get rid of Robinson, Robertson. He's mm-hmm. got a double this week. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm I'm happy to with the situation as it is now. I can keep Robertson, uh, but yeah, after game week thirty, I'm going to be looking at Chelsea. Although we've heard news about the situation at Chelsea today, I don't mm. know whether that's going to affect the way things are on the pitch. Probably not for a while. But, yeah, to, uh, to, yeah, just a timestamp. There's so people will be watching this in a year's time. Going, what are they talking about? This this is the decision from a year ago, which is today, which is today, where the uh, the government is 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 cracking down on various. Uh, Russian sources of money to do with the Ukraine conflict um, and one of those is uh, Roman Abramovich um, so that we don't know you know what effect that will have on in terms of our decisions as FPL managers or what's going to happen on the pitch so it's a bit unknown at the moment but financially there's some some issues going on there that's what people that's what we're talking about in a year's time <laughs> if you see this in a year's time um, yeah and it's interesting you bring that up though 
because with COVID, with situations like ownership of clubs, uh, with situations around certain players who might find themselves falling foul of the law, these are all sort of outside of actual footballing decisions, actually what's happening on the pitch. To what extent does that information... I mean, I'm a journalist, so I obviously look at those types of things, but not, not everyone does. But do you, do you think that increasingly um, FPL managers are having to become more sort of news aware? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as the, the, the COVID thing has been um, has been a big one this year for that. So we need to be aware of, mm. of um, you know, were there a COVID outbreaks, what the regulations are. So I think earlier on this year, there were a lot of games that were impacted by the COVID regulations, meaning that if a player hadn't been vaccinated and someone else in the team had COVID, they would need to isolate as well. So I think there are all, I think there's probably been more than ever before this year, but I think it's going to continue to be a thing that FPL managers are going to look at. And I think also as well, the FPL community just has more capacity now. There's more people involved. There are more people with different expertise is that are able to help with these sorts of things. So I think that is something that we're going to start to see more of. And it's just another way to get an edge, right? Yeah. If we can find out some news that is maybe going to affect the way someone plays on the pitch, then I think... FPL managers are really motivated to get that and they've got the capacity to find the information. Fascinating. There's, I mean, I just linked in with that as well, something I noticed when I was watching the, um, the live feed of a particular BBC, you know, it was rolling commentary and the uh, the journalist involved kept mentioning it, was mentioning his, his fancy football team, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so, whatever, got injured, got scored, that's good, bad for my fancy team. I'm seeing that, I'm hearing that much more on radio, I'm seeing that much more uh, and those those sorts of decisions. So it's, I call it the fantasification of football. Um, but are, are, will that also help um, influence uh, uh, the way that we consume information when we 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 become mainstream? I think so. Yeah, and I I think you're already starting to see that. I think it'll be start to become more part of the media, and that they'll discuss this i think on bt already they sometimes discuss like fantasy football points yeah. for players as well alongside scores yeah. i think you know fpl is growing all the time and i think there's just more um of a demand for that kind of content so we're going to start to see in uh, mainstream broadcasts and mainstream publications as well um and I think what that will only do is make the hardcore players even more motivated mm. to seek out that advantage over the more casual player. Okay. If if everyone's got that sort of basic level information and they're getting it through the TV, then we need to go that extra bit further, right, to make sure that we get ahead of the casuals. Um, I, this has been a fascinating chat. I'm so so pleased that you managed to find time for this. Um, I think it's been really good because a lot, a lot of the points FPL managers will... Um, you know, be aware of, but it's but it's it's getting getting that sort of honed down into what you've just described, and someone like you actually doing the doing the legwork, doing the research into this to find out how we think as FPL managers. And I found it absolutely fascinating that the success that we're all having as FPL managers, not in terms of our own ranks, but in terms of the success we're having in using information, is something that other people, other sectors can learn from as well. Um, uh, I found that fascinating, but but um, just before we go, Dan, was there anything else you you, you wanted to to mention as well? Just before we say our goodbyes. 
No, just again, thanks mm. to everyone who's helped out with the research. Um, if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter, I'm FPL Tika. Um, but yeah, just thanks everyone for tuning in. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, it's been been a great chat um, and uh, good luck with the game week. Good luck with your season and good luck with your seasons to come. Disseminating that information. Thanks a lot. Thank you.